You say history considers me dead. Who am I to argue with history? You're a Starfleet officer. You have a duty. I don't need to be lectured by you. I was out saving the galaxy when your grandfather was in diapers. Now, the torch of adventure is about to be passed. Eliminate them. Klingon vessel decoking directly ahead, sir. Target their bridge! Full disruptors! <laughs> let's go! Bridge, we have a new problem! All right, let's move them out, let's go. Take them out. Ten seconds to warp core breach. race for impact! Let's try and cheat death together. Warp one, engage! Star Trek Generations Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the first Star Trek movie that featured the Next Generation cast in the seventh and final for the original series cast called Star Trek Generations. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Very, very good. Enjoying watching this, or enjoyed watching this, and can't wait to talk about it. So glad to be here. Oh, man, glad to have you as always. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this movie. This is probably one of my favorite Star Trek movies. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, man. And also on the podcast, we have the Trek story. Jonathan Shorts, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. I, um, as you guys are, excited to talk about this movie. Uh, man, just kind of a blast of refreshment for me. I, it's been so long since I've seen it, man. It, it was like watching it all over again. So I was excited. Yeah, me too, man. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I, I can't wait to chop it up, man, because I, like I think you guys, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, we want to give a shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Your support helps the show in many, many ways. If you are listening right now and also want to help support the show, head on over to DiscussingTrek.com slash support, where you can contribute to the show via Patreon or PayPal. Speaking of Patreon, we have started a Patreon contest that will continue through the end of next month. We are going to be giving away a Star Trek Discovery Season 2 Blu-ray along with a polar light Star Trek Discovery model for the person who can come up with the best caption, the best caption for a Star Trek slash Doctor Who crossover image. If you want to find out more, i.e. see the image and also possibly participate in the contest, Head on over to DiscussingTrek.com slash Patreon or by, you know, checking out the show notes. You don't have to be a Patreon subscriber to qualify, but you will need to make a comment on the post with your caption for the image. Again, it's a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover image. Pretty interesting. One that Kyle Jones himself picked out. So definitely uh, head on over to our Patreon or, you know, click the link on our website or the show notes here to check it out. And we'll choose that best caption to win the prizes, which I think are pretty good. Again, we'll announce that winner sometime next month. Unfortunately, we can't compete because I want that DVD set. I had an awesome caption ready, man. I really, really? hmm. I kind of want to hear. No, this. not really. But I was just hoping to see <laughs> So maybe what we can do is once we announce who the winner is, we can then go around the table and give our own captions. How about that? That sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. But definitely, if you're listening, listening, excuse me. Definitely, if you're listening, go on out there and participate in this. It's really zero bucks to enter. <laughs> it just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of creativity. And um, since you can't really have a raffle based contest on Patreon, it's really going to be us picking our most favorite one. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. And so if you want to split the prize with me, you can email <laughs> me at. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So news and updates, I really don't have any other than um, and I forget which podcast it was. I'm kind of going off the top of my head here or maybe in a Zoom call where LeVar Burton was asked the question, would he appear in Picard season two? And he pretty much uh, 
said he is going to be in there. He says he's been in some type of talks, but nothing definite, but he's pretty sure he will be in the next season, which I find very refreshing. What about you guys on that news? Yeah, I also seeing that news, and that was very exciting. But, but which, like, I think we kind of already knew that had to happen. Yeah. Like, it would have been a mistake if they didn't. Now, hopefully he doesn't get in trouble because he kind of, I guess, quote unquote, leaked it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal since Patrick Stewart has already been on Whoopi Goldberg's show to ask her to be on it. So, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's going to be interesting how they actually introduce him. So I'm ready for that. I am ready for that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, also, there was a uh, interview done with uh, Gates McFadden and Robert Picardo, and it was on a something called Galaxy Con Live. And I apologize. I've never, you know, looked at anything on that particular site. But anyway, they were just, they just made the comments that they were very intrigued with the holograms on the La Serena. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. So they kind of got their thumbs up approval of it. I want to see my EMH on Picard. That's that's the only way I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I want to uh, see that Picardo, man. That dude is awesome. We want to hear it. what was it? What was it? Uh, Schweitzer? <laughs> oh man, oh. <laughs> Schweitzer. <sighs> Gotta love that guy, man. Star Trek Generations. Star Trek Generations was released to theaters on November 18th, 1994. It was directed by David Carlson with the story by Rick Berman, Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga with Moore and Braga uh, taking screenplay credits. It had an estimated budget of thirty five million with a U.S. gross of seventy five million and a world worldwide gross of one hundred and eighteen million dollars. So I think it did pretty well made, you know. Uh, more than it, much more than it was it cost to actually make the movie so that's pretty good and if you're listening and haven't seen it recently you can watch it on amazon prime for free or crackle with ads so you know catch up there but with the help of long presumed dead captain kirk captain picard must stop a deranged scientist willing to murder on a planetary scale in order to enter a space matrix <laughs> so uh we're going to get into it but let's go around the horn and uh see what everybody's high level view of this episode is and let's start with you john what do you think man well uh, this movie was pretty well done like i my opinion of it like comparing to the other movies like this was a very good step up from the series but not so far removed that you, you know, like the other movies, the the Kelvin timeline movies, like it just kind of removes you from the series altogether. Like this just seemed like a very good, long episode of TNG. And I loved it. Like take your best TNG episode and extend it another hour. And yeah. that's what you got. Yeah. Give it a $35 million budget and right. it'll be this awesome goodness that we got. <laughs> I mean, even the even the writing, even, the writing is always good, but it was even better, especially the comedy in it. I loved it, man. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. What'd you think, Jeremy? So this is the movie that I kind of dipped my toe in, in the world of Trek. The Next Generation wasn't easily accessible to me when I first started to watch this movie, when it first came out on HBO or Cinemax or whatever it came on. But I watched this movie like every time it came on. So I've seen this one so many times. So it, it was it was it was it, it was my first step into into trekdom. Awesome. Cal Jones, what do you think, man? So for, for any fandom that I like, I love episodes that deal with changing of the guard and moving from one set of characters to another set or anytime something big happens. And I remember seeing this in theaters, loving it because I love the next generation. I don't think there's anything I don't like about this movie. And I agree with everything Jonathan and Jeremy said. This did feel so much like the series, just maybe in 2020 budget, basically. You know, it was it, it didn't feel out of place. And I really enjoyed it. 
What about you? Uh, I'm going to echo everything you guys said. I absolutely loved it. In some ways, it felt like an extended episode. And in other ways, it felt like, uh, let's take everything to the extreme and make it as awesome as we could could make it. And, and, and it was all good. Everything they did in that effort uh, made it a great, enjoyable movie. And then, you know, Cal, you mentioned the passing of the baton. And um, I'll get into it, but to me, they did an excellent job of of passing it to a new generation, generations, new generation of people. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I really loved it. Really, really loved it. So guys, we're going to get into it all. But uh, first, we'll go ahead and drop that spoiler bumper right here. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, let's get into a little bit of the details. What do we think about how they brought these original series characters back? And I just want to, you know, hear how it resonated for you guys in this episode. All right. Um... You know, as I'm watching it, and I think this is something that I've said over and over since we've been watching the Picard series, there's something that watching it older, you know, having more years on ourselves brings to it. And I could sit there and I could only imagine being a fan of the original series, watching that as a moviegoer and seeing, you know, first you see in the opening scenes, well, Kirk died and then you get him back and then Kirk dies again. So I think, you know, they, they, they played, and I'm not going to call it fan service. I think they've played respect service to the original fans, but you knew going into it (laughs) that this was Star Trek generations after the next general, you know, there was so much tie in. This is the hand handing the baton again. And I think they did adequately without overindulging, but yet they focused on the new cast that was coming in. So that's my thought. Well, you know, let's stay in that vein for a bit because uh, for myself, I do feel like they did fan service, but who's to say fan service is a bad thing? It isn't. It isn't. And man, actually, you know, as you spoke about it, I thought of some of the similarities and we always, we always talk about Star Wars on here too. I think of some of the similarities that occurred as they passed the baton from Luke Skywalker to Ray and something very similar happens to Luke Skywalker at the end of the second movie. But I think in the, in the case of this movie, what they did so brilliantly with uh, William Shatner's character, Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk is they didn't shy away from, from, from what I've understand he's always been. You know, I could have closed my eyes and it would have been like I'm watching TOS again because he was true to himself throughout the whole film. You know, even down to the fighting on the bridge, which I thought was really good. (laughs) He remained true to what we know Kirk was throughout the film. And if they would have really changed it, I thought people I think people would have had problems. But, um, you know, fan service is not a bad thing. You know, that's why we're coming because we're fans. And to hold true to that, you can tell a certain uh, appreciation for the property. You know, one of the reasons I think it wasn't quite so much, and this may have clouded my vision a little bit, is I was doing research before we started recording. And I read one of the original concepts was to have the two crews of each enterprise for whatever reason, battling each other. And then they went off and said, no, we don't want to do this because there's no way to make both of them, if they're fighting each other, be heroic. So I think that would have been a lot more fan service had they gone that route because you'd have had the two ships fighting each other and all these big sequences. This was much more subtle, subdued. So maybe that's where I'm coming off the the fan service a bit, uh, Jeremy. It, 
Well, he actually just said exactly, almost exactly what I was about to say. I think if they would have brought in both full crews, that just would have been overkill. But, you know, just bringing in, you know, three from the original crew and not having them actually meet the Next Generation crew and just having Picard and Kirk, they just, they kind of did the fan service just right because I think it would have been overkill otherwise. It, it definitely was a graceful passing of the baton. And um, you just have to give a lot of credit credit to the writing because the writing to come up with a story, a story that on the face of it feels kind of intricate, but really, you know, really it's quite simple, you know, if you think about it. But they made it feel intricate and story-wise, they had an an elegant reason for Kirk and Picard to meet, you know. And really, you know, Kyle mentioned them dying twice, but they really gave gave an emotional anchor at the very beginning of the movie to <laughs> to really keep you invested. Right. Um, so just just great, great writing, great writing. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, they've already done a bunch of the like through the series, the Next Generation series. They had like Spock and McCoy and and they had already met in one way or another. Am I am I right? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So that's kind, of, that's kind of where I was going with it. It I don't it wasn't necessarily fan service for me, uh, just because we've seen some TOS mixture throughout TNG. Uh, but uh, I agree with you, Clarence. It was done very, very well. And so well, in fact, even though I've watched this movie, probably this would have been my third time watching it. Like, I still got, and when Kirk dies the first time, I kind of get worried. I'm like, man, did that yeah. really happen before? Yeah. Are we going to lose Kirk? They just gave him to me. It was awesome. I was expecting something. <laughs> it was freaking awesome the way he took over the ship. Man, Kirk is a boss. This freaking, um, what is it, uh, Harriman, uh, Captain Harriman. He sucked, yeah. man. He was so horrible. But He's played another suck role before as a captain, too. I don't remember what it was. Man, it was but- on um, Of Gods and Men, I believe it was, the, the uh, fan movie. That was uh, me. Yeah, yeah, he did. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, Tim Russ and all of them were in. That was awful. But, but, <laughs> but what was so cool was that he did so much without saying anything. Right. Well, well, you know, actually, I was reading Wikipedia about this earlier. That character actually was, and the reason he played it this way is because that character was not a traditional Starfleet captain. He was kind of. You know, his, his connections got him to where he is. Oh. Not his actions, but his connections. So he played that part well. Yeah. Yeah. He should have never been on the Enterprise. Should have <laughs> given him like another, like a small science vessel or something. Well, but, I, but I think never- they, he was, he seemed kind of more like a figurehead. Like they knew Kirk was going to be there and Media was going to be there. And most Starfleet captains are not ones for being in the public eye. So, I mean, you wouldn't just put Picard or Kirk or Cisco or anybody on that ship because they're more than likely going to do or say something that you really don't want out of. Oh, maybe maybe something like get that damn thing out of my face. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they needed a political person, and I think they just stuck him there. He they never expected him to do anything. I don't know. They serious. said he was a captain. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that was more of a ceremonial, right. more ceremonial than anything. Man, but but instantly, man. You know, and they again, it has to go back to the writing. They threw so many things there in the beginning that uh, made us not only the uh, Harriman, but it made us start looking at Kirk like, oh, we don't have any torpedoes and oh, we don't we don't have a tractor beam. I'm like, oh, crap. There were so many funny moments in this scene. And I think the one that stood out to me the most when, you know, Kirk kept like wanting to stand up. Not really. And he looked over at him and he's like. Is there something wrong with your chair, Captain? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Scotty is cr- is yeah, crazy, Scotty. man. Oh, oh, man that was... there. Yeah, but uh, we had Chekhov, we had Scotty, we had Kirk. Now originally it was supposed to have been uh, 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 Bones, Spock, and Kirk, but Bones uh, could not do it because he couldn't get. Apparently, he couldn't get insurance because he's real sick at the time to actually wow. be on the set. And I think uh, Leonard Nimoy just uh, just turned it down, you know. So, but I like I think the the few they had on there worked perfectly because they're so freaking funny together. Oh my god! 
just, my my favorite part was when um they said take her out and the checkoff and and Montgomery Scott were like brought a tear to my eye and you know that was beautiful you know giving him that playful chug that that lifelong friends can do yeah I just right. got such a kick out of that yeah and 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 this is the last time we see these characters in the movies you know which yeah. is just really touching as well. But I think if they brought more of the original cast on it, it would have been oversaturated and overkill. I agree. So they 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 did a good job of just of, they did a good balance. Yep. On the Enterprise B's maiden maiden voyage. <laughs> oh yeah, we got Tim Russ as well. We got Tuvok on the bridge. All, yeah. all I'm going to say yeah. about him is what across races, across time, across species, that genetic makeup is like strong in the future. <laughs> well they do one episode of voyager where they go in the past where tuvok is on sulu's ship as an officer and it's very similar i think he's wearing the same exact uniform and everything right yeah actually from the previous movie the undiscovered country i think they took that from really Hmm. yeah Yep, and he's also been in the TNG episode Starship Mine and DS9 episode Invasive Procedures. Cool stuff, cool stuff. But let's 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 move along. Uh, we kind of said what happened to Kirk there. We had the Nexus come, and uh, they actually save. Uh, is it Accursions? I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, Syrians, I believe. No, Alor- yeah, Alorians. Alorians. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Sarans and uh, well, I often say Whoopi. Uh, Guinan's race. <laughs> uh, race of listeners, they say. Uh, but let's just talk a little bit about, and maybe I'll throw this to John, but how they managed to tie things that we've been hearing since Guinan's first appearance in TNG, which we've been wondering how does she know Kirk and I mean, sorry, knows uh, Captain Picard and how their paths have crossed before. Are, are you happy with the way it's explained in this film of how she knows him? Is that, I, I don't think it necessarily shows how she knows Picard. I think it does. So when Picard is in the neck in the Nexus, Picard oh. sees her afterthought, or I forgot what they called it. They had a word for it. An echo. Her echo. echo. Yeah. So I think the theory or the the thinking here is that she knows Picard because his echo was there while she was in there, and she said, "Time." And since time doesn't matter there, if you're there, you're you can come out at any time frame. You know. Oh Lord, here goes time. <laughs> But See, that's is, why I didn't put much thought into it. <laughs> yeah, she knows she knows his echo, basically. I get I could go with that. I could go with that. I didn't I didn't I really didn't put much I didn't really connect that at the time. Um I really put no connection between Guinan and Picard. It was just more or less it just kind of gave me a better insight into who Guinan was, where she come from, uh just kind of I just I completely forgot all that. You know, we talked about Guy in a couple of episodes when we were reviewing TNG episodes, and there were some questions we had that we could have really answered by watching Generations. Yeah, uh, and that that's kind of what I got from this particular scene when he rescued her. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. But so- I guess you could. I mean, if you follow the timey wimey back and forth thing, you could tie in Picard. Or let me add this. What about the fact that she recognizes him from, you know, in the Nexus because of events that happened in Time's Arrow Part Two? Oh, really? Hmm. But I think Time's Arrow is the one where she goes back to like Earth and. Yeah, that's the one where they find Data's head and. Yeah. Hmm. And and again, that's going into the time. So I've always accounted her knowing Picard through that moment, but it's kind of <laughs> hard to keep up with that moment because there's so many I don't know I guess you could say time variations I don't know how to say it I mean it's kind of it's a lot of that chicken and egg type thing going on in that episode and you just kind of wash it all up to she's been everywhere always and she knows it all 
but yes, Kyle, I mean, very, very much so. I think that will be more likely the explanation than this movie. Okay, so according to Memory Alpha fandom on Star Trek Generations, it says, when the past version of Guinan appears to Picard in the Nexus, she acts as if she already knows him. This is because, from her point of view, she sees him for a second time. She first met Picard when she lived in the 19th century Earth in TNG Times Era Part 2. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. There we go. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. And she says as much in the episode that we that's when she kind of reveals that she had met Picard. Like she tells Picard we have met before. Or I've talked to you before and something in that case. I had to go back and watch the episode, though. Yeah, me too. It's been a minute. <laughs> Good job, Cal. Thank you, sir. Told you I did my research on this one. I like this one. Not that I don't like and research them, but I like Guinan. So, well, <laughs> you know, we, we all love Guinan, but. Let's let's stay with the Nexus just a little bit longer. So would you guys like tell me what's so wrong with this place where you can get all your fantasies and live forever and not have a care in the world? Uh, why wouldn't you just stay there? Because <laughs> you really don't get your fantasies, do you? But don't you? It's like the equivalent of living on a holiday. Yeah, but I thought you were in a loop. Like you don't really ever fulfill your fantasy seemingly. Hmm, I don't well, I think you do. I mean, you just go you go from one fantasy to the other. I mean, if your fantasy is to live out your life a certain way, then you live out your life that certain way. I think mm, it's along so. the lines of the 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 journey is better than the destination. So you you I mean you're you're living out your fantasies, but you don't have the build up to them. You don't have that sense of satisfaction of actually accomplishing them. You just have them. Ooh, that's good. I don't know, man. It seemed like Sarah was pretty pretty adamant on getting back. <laughs> Well, see, when you ask the question, what's so wrong with it? Saren would be the example of it. Like, that's what's wrong. Like, he has given up, which in his case, I guess I get it. Again, we go to this chicken and egg thing. Uh, Did their species originate in the Nexus and come out? Or did they find the Nexus and go in? I mean, so like in Picard's case, what's so wrong about it is it's great for him. There's no wrong in, as far as he's concerned, except his outside responsibilities in life. I think you have a responsibility to your actual life. And you, you get what I'm saying? Like, you, Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But, but I, if he didn't know what he was getting into, would he know what he was in? <laughs> yeah, when you're high, you don't know what's going on. Right. <laughs> But well, it is 420. But 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 but, but the, oh, it is 420. Um, they did they did say that uh, you know we've heard this on TNG already. Um, the uh, Guinan's race was attacked by the Borg, and they set out on ships, and then that's how they got caught in the Nexus. So ah. yeah, they weren't there forever. Um, but yeah, I found all that very interesting though. Just the whole concept of the Nexus, I think it's pretty cool. And then we. Um, you know, early on in the movie, we see this scene on this real ship, um, which I thought was just a lot of fun. And it, it reminded me of how you, John, you say you always like these episodes when they're on the holodeck and they're doing other things. But I All thought right. this is just a really fun concept and idea to celebrate uh, war's promotion. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome, man. Well, uh, uh, you know, whenever I think of any Star Trek movie, like this is the first thought that pops to mind. This ship. Like the, <laughs> yeah, this ship and Picard and they're all out on the ship and like that that stands out to me. Even the holiday episodes that stand out to me. Um uh, man, again, the comedy was great in this, the setting was great, the reason for being there was great. And it's just a great holiday holiday episode. And it gives the actors, I always say this. It gives them a chance to be a different character and explore it. And they do so well at it. And again, this is another example of it. Yeah. And and so many good things are set up, you know, again, great writing at the very beginning. They set up they set up data wanting to, as he has always done, uh, his pursuit to be more human. And he, you know, from here on out, he grabs his emotion chip which affects him in the rest of the, sh- the movie because he didn't get the joke by pushing <laughs> Gates McFadden off into the water. 
<laughs> and uh, we also set up, uh, you know, a very touching moment, which, which, which we've talked about before with Picard losing uh, Robert and Renee, which, you know, I don't know how I forgot about this before, but it's man, that's harsh. Yeah. That is harsh to have him deal with that. Yeah, man. Picard has had like he has had it rough sometimes. <laughs> he really has. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was assimilated. I, I just that tops it all. <laughs> uh, and now he's I mean, that you can deal with anything. I guess so. I guess so, man. Uh, what do we think about Data and the motion chip in this in this uh, movie? It's mm. the one part I disliked, and not because it shouldn't have been there, or it was a bad idea, or bad plot, or bad writing. I just, I just, I'm not. I don't like data with emotions. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just, I just, I like emotionless data. You're not human, sir. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to go with you, Jonathan. I felt it was n- no purpose behind it. It was, you know, you, you had this thing that you didn't do for seven seasons and it's like, Oh, well, we're in the movies now. Let's do it. I agree with you. That's the only thing I could p- kind of give a little bit of pushback from. Oh, it did seem really out of place. From, and maybe uh, and they, did, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, maybe if they hadn't have done it, like pushed it so far, you know what I mean? It would have been great if it would have worked and he would have been able to deal with it a little better, which I know would have been kind of unbelievable. That, But still, you know, it just seemed like overkill. I don't know, man. I loved it. This was set up in the original, in the in the next generation with, I think he got the, didn't he get it from Lore, if I'm remembering? Yes. Yeah. So well, from Soon's lab. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I loved it, man, because think, okay, think of an emotionless being, um, Vulcan. Think, think of what happened to Tuvok when he had emotions that time because of, was it Punfar or something? Something happened. He had a flood of emotions. He was basically yeah, the same exact way. He was crazy. <laughs> he was like, didn't know how to handle it. And as far as Data's journey to be more human, I feel like that was a, a good display of, you know, how we as human handle sometimes handle very badly emotions. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really loved it. I will admit at, fir- at first it was a little thick. It was on a little thick. But as the movie went on, uh, I feel like it was more resonant with me. You know, I, I felt it a little bit more. But at first, it did feel like a little bit too much, I will admit. Yeah, like you said, as, as we go go further through it, I'm okay. I'm better with it. Like, even the Tuvok episodes you mentioned, I didn't necessarily like that. And and then it's not for, I do, I 100% understand why and understand why it had to be that way. But just my personal feelings, I don't. My emotion chip may be over overheating or something, <laughs> but I just didn't like seeing those two characters show so much uncontrolled emotion when I'm so used to seeing them without. Now, again, like you said, on further into the movie, we notice that he gets it under control. He works with it a little better. And I do enjoy that part of Data then. And the same with Tuvok. So you get to see... Tuvok in more control of emotion, sort of, when he and Neelix are involved in a transporter accident. Tuvix. And they and they come out to be Tuvix. So yeah. you get you get sort of a logical, emotional creature. It's like a mix of two. But I kind of put that as like this was what Tuvok would be with emotions. And that was good for me. But that part when he's going through the pun far, like that was just <laughs> that was heavy, man. That was heavy. And, that, and that's the best way to describe it. It was very heavy. Man. You know. And I may be looking for it as a downer to some degree, but I would have rather it have been he had to use the emotion to do something, whatever that something is, but that it wasn't just, oh, well, activate this and let's do this. It was you had to do it for some reason. I would have rather seen that. Yeah, I get that. And again, like it's just his quest to become more human. That's basically the only real reason. But that being said, his emotions provided two of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, One of them when the saucer section is finna crash and he's like, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) That was so good. And then the other one when they destroyed the Klingon vessel, he was like, yes. (laughs) He like bought up the fist. I just started clapping. 
Oh, giddy. That was yeah, so cool. And, and those whole, are two good moments, but I think I mean, I'm agree, agreeing with Kyle and Jonathan that, you know, I think otherwise they just kind of overdid it. Fair enough. Now, I do agree with you, Clarence. That is one of my most liked scenes when they when he says, holy crap, like I, <laughs> I, like you said, it was a punch in the air type situation, and it immediately made me think. You know, we were talking about the uh, the language in the new series, yep. and well, here we go. I mean, yep. you got one, and it was from Data of all people. <laughs> yeah. You know, you would expect it to come from maybe Worf or Riker or Jordy, but it was from Data. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that was that was good, man. I, I did enjoy that part. So let's pivot a little bit into some of the aesthetics of this movie. Uh, first, I think, you know, as far as the interior of the Enterprise, they definitely changed it. A lot of the lighting was different. It, you could tell they tried to update it to make it more movie-like, which I very much enjoyed. I thought it felt it felt like a movie. <laughs> it yes, felt, it did. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel like we were watching it, the normal episode, which I, I, I really appreciated. And does anybody want to talk about the uniforms in this movie? Or was I the only one that noticed it? I didn't notice. Wow, you didn't? didn't yeah, I didn't notice. What? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you, even though I do know what you're talking about. Go so, for it. So go back and just skim through some of the screenshots. Um the uniforms changed throughout the movie. At first, they were all wearing the classic TNG uniforms and probably, uh, what, a, a third of the way in, they start to change. So you'll see Picard starts wearing the DS9 uniform, then Riker, then Data. Not everybody switched over. Uh, Jordy, I think he switched over as well, but a lot of them switched over to the DS9 style uniforms uh, along while the, while the story progressed. So to me, that looked so off-putting, so off-putting to me. <laughs> I did not notice. But do we know why they changed? I don't. I'm, but do you? Um, I don't. <sighs> I think they were just trying to feel more updated, poss- possibly. Uh, I but know. Do you, you think I, they would have made that? That's a, like a big, that would be obvious. I guess not that obvious. We didn't notice it. But I wouldn't think they would make that obvious of a change just to look more updated. Well, I think I'm wondering if there's a deleted scene that would have explained that. So there's a trivia I can pull up, but, but basically um, they were supposed to wear totally different uniforms for the movie. And um, something happened. I don't remember what it was. Something happened to where they just had went with their, their current series uniforms and they eventually changed. Now there are some issues, some huge issues because I think they may have just gotten the DS nine uniforms and put them on these, on this, this crew. Uh, for example, uh, find a screenshot of Riker's uniform. His sleeves don't barely come below his elbows. Oh, and, and I know why, because <laughs> I just found it. Uh, Jonathan Frakes and LeVar Burton actually had to borrow Avery Brooks and Carl Meany's costumes uh, <laughs> for that. And and all of this came for the costume designer, Robert Blackman, was working on redesigning them. And it looks like they were in production and they were shooting. And I don't know what exactly happened, but it came down to those two having to borrow the other two actors costumes. And that's why they did not fit, as you were just saying. Yeah, they fit wow. very badly. I mean, look at Riker's. His is fits so badly. <laughs> yeah. It does. It, I it, did not notice that. And Jordy's like the V. The V comes all the way down to his navel almost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Pretty yeah, it, that that's the worst aesthetic of the whole movie to me. It just threw me out of it. Now Well, thanks for ruining that for me. <laughs> how could you not notice? So they were some, I didn't. <laughs> so they were supposed to wear totally different uniforms. Uh but I'm not sure what happened, but I think there is there I read this somewhere that there are some figures that they have produced, you know, some toys, I guess that they couldn't get reversed in time. So there's some toys out there wearing the uniforms that they were supposed to wear for this movie. All right. To add to what you just said or to validate what you just said, Clarence, the the costume designer that I mentioned before, 
he was supposed to redesign the entire set of uniforms and they the uniforms however were all scrapped at the last minute for fear of introducing too many new facets into the universe playmates toys went ahead with the production of the action figures and but and i think because of the action figures that's why they chose since they had action figures coming out was to use a combination of tng i mean these new ones plus what was in ds9 and voyager etc yeah yeah cool good stuff oh man like another scene that maybe you you guys can speak on this as well we had that you know the klingons got involved because they wanted this with titridium weapon so they were helping sauron for you know much of the movie but what about trilithium trilithium so what about this battle (laughs) that they had where i can't believe this has not been used before where they hacked into Jordy's visor to find the um, with the frequency of the shields. I thought that was pretty brilliant, actually. Yeah, it was. And it's happened before uh, on one episode. I don't remember which one it was. It was an alien species that hacked into this visor, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. I don't, I had to go back and do some research on it. But yeah, that ingenious idea. Coming from Klingons. Yeah. Now, I want to ask this, too. Are those two female Klingons the same ones that are in the episode where they're trying to dethrone Galran? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but I'm not that sure. Yeah, they're listed as the Juris sisters. Okay, it is them. Okay. <laughs> I think that is So them. that's the same ones that were in DS9, and Quark married one. <laughs> what, really? I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somehow he, I don't know, he, he accidentally killed her husband oh. and, and he had to marry her to keep them from dissolving her family or his name or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So what do you guys think of the crash landing of, well, the explosion of the lower section and the crashing of the saucer section of the enterprise D was it spectacular. I just found the freaking uh, scenes when they were jumping around hilarious, but cool at the same time. <laughs> Cause they were really going for it, man. They were really yes, going. They were. <laughs> like I even seen some leg beans before the jump. Just <laughs> <laughs> It was bad. It was real bad. Like I, I tried not to notice it because the <laughs> overall scene was so amazing. Yeah, I was like, man, you guys are really pushing it. Like you would have thought it was crashing through the planet's core or something. <laughs> the, the look on Riker's face the whole time, the whole time, boss. like he was trying to pass something that could not possibly be passed. <laughs> Hey, Riker is boss. Get off him, man. Riker was sitting but, up there. <laughs> I was. I just want to know how long how he managed to stay in that chair almost the whole time. <laughs> because that was a long, long drag on the planet before that thing finally came to a stop. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and then it went flying at the end. <laughs> man, I really have to give credit to uh to to Miss Searches there because she was awesome. They told her to get on the um, get on the con. Yeah, they yeah, get on the con. Yeah, Riker yeah. told her to get on the con. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. I'm like, this so, is the most valuable you've been the whole seven hey, seasons. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I was happy for her, man. I'm like, they finally gave you something to do, man. And I know I'm sure I'm missing something. I'm sure she's done something significant before that I'm She has. She's, she's been the counselor. The <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? She hasn't counseled anybody. <laughs> she counseled plenty of people, man. Man, she talked to them and it didn't them. help. <laughs> right. Oh, and then half, half the time when her senses would have been helpful, they weren't. Hey, man, we're praising her right now for her, her role in this movie, which was awesome. So so my question is, because I've always heard that, you know, <laughs> she's the only her claim to fame is crashing the Enterprise. And when they told her to go to hell, is, that, is she the like, was she just first available or was there just was it a rank issue? Because she would not be someone I would say, OK, go to hell. It's because. It was not not the rank issue. It was a training issue. So certain people are well, no, but certain people are trained to pilot a starship. Dude, she's been the captain before, though. I mean, she's she's 
she's taken command of the of the Enterprise before, but that I don't. I my opinion is they. I don't think that's why he chose her. It just it was made mention in the episode that she had had um, flight training, so that would have been the next logical choice outside of Riker jumping along and doing it. Yeah, I thought it was awesome, man. But she did. She did take command of the Enterprise once, and she did. She did a great job with it. So we have to pull that episode out and post it and watch it. But yeah, I, I just <laughs> recently watched that. Watched that actually. It was her. I think. Chief O'Brien and Lieutenant uh, Ensign Rowe were all on the bridge, and she had to like command it. Which is, it was it was right. a good episode actually. So you know, kudos to kudos to Troy. <laughs> so I have two other main parts I want to talk about, and that is uh, Picard actually meeting Kirk um, in the Nexus, which I thought was very interesting for a bunch of reasons. But what do we think about that interaction of of these two? Legends of the Enterprise actually meeting face to face. Picard looked kind of starstruck when he first saw him. I I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would have been starstruck too. I mean, you're looking at the person that made your job possible. Yeah. I mean that that I, I think they star. I think they did a very good job of giving each of them a role to where one did not overshadow the other. And I think they played well off of each other. So I, I liked it. And again, like we always talk about as Dr. Who fans, we always talk about the reason to get these legends together that should never hence cross paths <laughs> and just wonderful story writing reason for having two of these actors. I mean, you know, uh, William Shatner is older here, but he looked like he's still in his prime. You know, he's still like he can run with the best of them. He, he's in shape, and and Picard as well. Uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Stewart, just a reason to get these two juggernauts on screen at the same time. I just gotta applaud that. I really do. And again, it makes me—I'm not gonna say mad, but it disappoints me that they couldn't do things like this in other franchises where they had the opportunity. And I'm just glad the writers were smart enough to, you know, take advantage of this and actually capitalize on it. And like we said, not too much, but just enough to, you know, give us reverence and make us smile a little bit. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Um, like my, the one I, when I was watching this, like as soon inside the cabin, like my immediate thought, I grabbed my phone and snapped a picture. Cause like, how often do you get to see, these two faces <laughs> side by side in one. And believe it or not, they rarely showed a scene where you could see both Picard and Kirk on the same, like facing the screen at the same time. Really? It was always cut back and forth to them. Interesting. Interesting. So I have a few tidbits about this scene. Um, William Shatner has stated that saying the line, who am I to argue with the captain of the, of the Enterprise was one of the hardest lines he ever had to deliver, which is really interesting and really freaking wow. cool because he is the Enterprise's captain. <laughs> he has been for all these years, and I don't know how invested he he was into watching TNG or whatever, but to and remember, this is the passing of the baton of the movies. Right. This, this is Kirk's. This is uh, William Shatner's last, and this is uh, Patrick Stewart's and the TNG crew's first. So he is literally passing the baton to them. And, you know, to have to de deliver that line in his last movie or his last time playing that role, period. Um, yeah, I can see that being a hard line to deliver. Definitely. Yeah. Just imagine. OK, you know, take us We're we're just and I'm not I don't mean this like just doing a podcast, but from a from a point of view of the scope, we're just doing a podcast. And imagine if. We said, okay, well, Hayden, you set of people coming in. We're not going to be on it anymore. And I mean, I, that, that would make me sad if I, if I'm sitting here thinking about it. And so imagine it on a decade scale of something as big and popular as playing Captain Kirk. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Another tidbit about this scene is that the cor the horse that Wim Shannon rides on is his horse, as is the house. <laughs> that house, the horse, all of that, the form, 
that was his place. <laughs> which oh, is sweet. Yeah, that's and that's a very nice house too. Yeah, it really is. Cabin style, freaking awesome. <laughs> I still yeah. like Riker's house on Picard better. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> His house is awesome. <laughs> it has. I mean, I wouldn't turn one of them down. <laughs> well, it, it look at it this way. At least we know the Nexus is kind to maybe his spirit goes back into the Nexus and he lives out the rest of his life as a lawyer in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Odo pays a visit, you know. Yes, see? <laughs> Cork plays a, pays a visit. Yeah. And you still get seven of nine somewhere in there. Yeah. 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 Man, Two I used to love this show there. for that reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't, I never noticed that when I first watched Boston Legal through, but like my second or third time going through, I started noticing all of the Star Trek characters and like, like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It just made it even better. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Kirk gives Picard some advice, which, uh, I feel like it resonates with us today since we have the Picard series. Um, you know, he said, ever since I love Starfleet, I haven't made a difference, which I feel like Picard feels the same way. I fast forward to 2020. And also <laughs> he tells him, don't retire. Don't do anything that takes you off the bridge of the ship. <laughs> which, right. you know, again, just in, in wake of having this new series, you know, it's just like that's all the things that happened to him, really. So, yeah, good stuff there. And I think we've noticed through the trick series, like none of the good captains ever wanted to be anything other than captains. Yeah. And we see Cisco promoted. He hated it. I mean, you, Picard wouldn't like it. Riker never wants to leave being number one. So. Yeah. Oh, man. And that good scene at the end where he's like, I always thought I'd be in that chair. And they just beam away. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Yes, it was. So any other thoughts? Um, we have the final showdown with Saran Kirk and, and um, Picard. Any Just any thoughts, period, um, about this episode? Any final things that I haven't touched that you guys want to talk about that I may have skipped over? So the guy who played uh, Saran, Roddy McDowell, is actually the uncle of uh, Alexander, Alexander Sitting, uh, Dr. Bashir. Really? And he was actually going to be in an episode of DS9 with sitting directing, but they just never could work out the schedule. Wow, that is crazy. He's Alexander Sadiq's uncle. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) That is freaking cool. (laughs) And I was just reading on IMDb, the trivia, that he did not originally want to take the part of of, uh, Saren because he was such a Star Trek fan. He didn't want to be the one to kill Picard, to, to kill Captain Kirk. Yeah. Wow. And really, and well, he did receive death threats for that. Well, technically, he didn't <laughs> kill him. Kirk was jumping. But this is another part, problem I have with the movie, actually. Kirk was jumping to get the communicator thing to actually turn on the rocket or reveal the rocket so he can shut down a rocket. But if he never right. revealed it, why would he have to shut it down? I didn't I didn't get the logic on that one. Or maybe it was going to fire anyway, even though it was invisible. That one kind of confused me. But yeah, um, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I took it as it was going to fire anyway, but they just needed to make it visible so Picard could see how to stop it or deactivate it. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I I don't think he per se killed Kirk, but Kirk made a sacrifice, which that's what a captain does. And, you know, just awesome stuff there. Uh, Kyle, we still somehow his fault. Yeah. Yeah, it is his fault because he's, you know, this maniacal crazy guy. <laughs> so, so Cal, we kind of talked about this in our discussion, our open channel discussion, where we were talking about Doctor Who versus Star Trek. And you said that Star Trek had the best villains, to which I said, nah, do they really have villains? But this is an example of kind of what I was talking about. Their movies seem like always have a villain, uh, at least the TNG movies. And, uh, you know, Saren is an example of that, actually. Agreed. I- I guess there's vill- can you guys think of villains in the normal show? I know there are some, but I think they're just so yes. few and far between. You got Gold Dukat, which I mean, eventually he's not. Was he a villain, a villain. though? Was he a villain? He, he was. I mean, yes. Yeah, I don't I, know if he's a villain. I, I think the difference. Cal- here- Quinn. Cal- but was Quinn he a villain? Like- but was he a villain she though? Was- 
Okay, well, well let me say this. I oh, think God. the I hated that woman. <laughs> Just because you hate her doesn't make her a villain. So I think the the key here for Star Trek, because of the way it is structured around the Federation, many of the characters that we're coming across as characterizing as villains have political motivations. They still do very bad things, whereas with the Daleks, with the Cybermen, with the Weeping Angels, they are written more with a singular purpose, not a political type motivation. Yeah, and I find it fascinating that we brought that up because that's something that I haven't really even thought about until, I guess, last week when we had the conversation. All right, so we're going to ask it again tomorrow when we discuss Doctor Who, and we'll ask Lee. I'm curious to hear what he says. Oh, you know he's going to have a good answer. (laughs) Yes. But now I do have one other thing. This isn't related to that, but I want to say it before I forget it. Did either of you or any of you notice at the beginning when they're doing the walk the plank scene, when they are, when Beverly is falling and Worf is coming back up, did, did Michael Dorn hurt his knee when he failed the first time? Because I, I need to go back and I look at that. it, but it, you notice why I'm saying that his uh, knee was, I mean, the, the cloth in the pants was red. Yeah. yeah. So according to IMDB, I actually just read about that while we were having this discussion he the paint was still wet on the ship oh. while they were filming. So some of the paint got onto his pant leg. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Looks like he got shot in the knee. <laughs> yeah. like- now you guys are observing. I did not notice that at all. I, I didn't notice it either, but I read about it. So that's that's where I'm getting my little do in there. The only I reason I noticed it is... Was- go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I was more worried if uh, Dr. Crusher could swim. <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't look like the type that would be able to swim. Hey, she's got dance moves, man. She can she can swim. Yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> man, it's such a good movie, though, man. This is this is darn near a perfect movie, even though we complain and gripe. This, this is just a good, fun Star Trek movie, man. Really? Yes, it is. It well, is. but think of it like this. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't dissect it as much as we are. Because, I mean, we spent probably more time talking about Captain Harriman than he actually was on the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, he sucks. <laughs> hey, we cannot conclude without discussing the fight, the fighting of Kurt. Like, so good. for Kurt to be an older man so and, good. like, a, so. Picard can't fight. Let's just say that. <laughs> this fight was pretty good, though. It was decent. It was decent. It was, but then Kirk came in like, let me show you how to do this. <laughs> man, Kirk, he, hey, go back and watch some TOS. He's always kicking butt, man. You know, he, yeah. he, 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 he kind of Picard. Do it. Kirk looks younger than Picard. He's like he's like that, that's one. That's one, one of the first thing I noticed is like, the older captain looks much younger than the younger captain. <laughs> They're probably only like 10 years apart, to be honest. Yeah, they are, because I think uh, Shatner is 89 and um, uh, Stewart's 79, I think, right now. But speaking of his fighting, John, there's a book right now that's out. I want to get this. It's called Star Trek Kirk Fu Manual, A Guide to Starfleet's Most Feared Martial Art. <laughs> and, really? uh, yes, yes. I saw this a, a few months back, but it's really freaking cool, and I want this book. It will be mine. An unabashed celebration of Captain James T. Kirk's singular fighting skills, Star Trek Kirk Fu Manual is every Starfleet cadet's most have must have training guide for surviving the final frontier. <laughs> I'll drop the link in the show notes, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, look for some awesome. videos on YouTube. I think somebody made a video that was pretty interesting. So there's a few more tidbits I want to point out real quick is that this is the last time we see Jordy wearing a visor uh, from here on out. He's implants or whatever. Uh, he doesn't wear the visor anymore from here on out. Well, no, because they got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a liability. <laughs> they probably had to walk around blind for like a few months until they got his implants ready, you know. <laughs> right. But Soren makes the argument like, why don't you change it? You know, you have the opportunity and, you know. Also, this is the first movie to have a website created to promote it. The site was launched at generations.viacom.com on October 28th, 1994, 
three weeks before the movie was released. Awesome. So, I did not know that. Interesting tidbits. So, guys, I don't have anything else other than I really enjoyed this movie and I could probably watch it again and have a whole bunch of other things to bring up. Uh, just really good all around. Uh, Cal, they mentioned uh, Data said when they, when Data was trying to get into the lab, he mentioned reversing the polarity, which I thought was pretty funny. Yep. That was one of my notes, too. <laughs> yeah. So just just great stuff, man. Great stuff. And if nothing else, well, let me throw this out. If you have made it this far and have comments about the movie, what did we get wrong? What are we talking about it? Or do you have your own suggestions or comments about it? Uh, you can send that in to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up at Discussing Trek on all of the social medias. But right now we're going to go around the horn and get parting gifts from the crew. So let's start with Jeremy, man. What do you have to talk about? What you've been working on, working on, listening to, whatever. What's your parting gift for tonight, man? So I've recently restarted watching Stargate Atlantis, and I'm having a jolly good time doing that. And I recommend, you know, if you want, I guess, a Star Trek light show to watch, I guess it'd be a good way to put it. This would be a really, a really good show to watch. It's on Amazon Prime and Hulu if you want to watch it. And I've also started watching a show called Shit's Creek which apparently all my Facebook friends are raving about. And it's actually pretty funny. Really? Yes. What is that on? That's on um, Netflix. Netflix. Hmm. I'm not too, so too much found, into comp. Go ahead. I found that Shit's Creek. So I heard the same thing and I watched like the first two episodes and I stopped because it's one of those things. And some people are just into that, but it's like one of those things. Like there, it was they were doing it to get a laugh. Does that make sense? Like it wasn't naturally to me. It wasn't naturally funny. It, it was. It gets better. Purpose. It's very dry. It's very well, dry. Like it was but dry. It does get better. It's like watching a bad Will Ferrell movie. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they're purposely like they're doing this just to get a laugh out of it. Like it's only it, to get a laugh. And I understand what you're saying. And the first few episodes are like that, but once they start finding their footing. It does get better and it does. The chemistry works itself out. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Like the whole mayor guy just seems like it's just ridiculous. It's just too much. Yeah. I, I don't usually like shows where they're just like over the top zany uh, just for laughs. I, that's just me. I'm not a big comedy person anyway. So I'm the wrong person for to talk about it anyway. So. But but on your uh, Stargate Atlantis mention, I, that's one of my favorite shows as well. Uh, stay tuned. EMH makes an appearance, and he's freaking awesome in that series. Yes, uh, he is. And my freaking my my favorite Stargate character is Rodney McRae. He Man, is I so love good. Rodney. <laughs> love Rodney. He is that so is my freaking cool as well. He is so cool, man. <laughs> anyway, I'm geeking out. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, what's your party gift, dude? Um, so not much, man. I've been working around the house. Um, <laughs> Got a garden going, growing some fresh veggies and all. Uh, so I hadn't really spent much time in absorbing any media. I did start watching a movie called Ex Machina. Ex Machina is awesome. Mac- okay, yeah, Machina. Oscar play, Isaacs. But Great movie. Great movie. It, it isn't really. So I, I have to finish it. Uh, I kind of got sidetracked and I didn't go back to it. But I did, I, I like, I really enjoyed the first, I probably watched about 20 minutes of it, and it seemed to be really good. Yeah, man, keep keep watching, man. Oscar Isaacs is freaking awesome in that movie. He's almost re- unrecognizable because he's, uh, his hair shaved in that movie, but he's really good in it. It's a good movie. Where is it? Where is it? What else is he in? I've seen that guy he, before. He's uh, Poe Dameron, Star Wars. No? Poe Dameron? Uh, uh, I don't know about He's like one, one of the main three characters in the new Star Wars reboots. You got um, Poe Finn and Ray. I'm not really a big fan of the reboots. So. <laughs> He's in the new trilogy. Yeah, the new trilogy. He's been in a lot of oh, stuff though. He's a great actor. Yeah, he's he's I've I've like so far that's who I'm enjoying watching the most. So I'll probably finish that tonight. All righty. Kyle Jones, man, what do you have for a parting gift, dude? 
I will direct people listening to a podcast called Listen, Rinse, Repeat. It is a podcast where you can listen to while washing your hands. And thanks to Clarence, I wrote a real quick episode that I wish Carrie was on tonight because he starred as the Joker and Lee starred as Batman, and it is called Martha. Takes you about a minute to listen to, so that is on Listen, Rinse, Repeat. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'll drop the link to that in the show notes as well. Really fun. Uh, Kyle, you wrote that really quickly, too, because I was I just I just typed you in, in Slack like, oh, I got an idea. And like an hour later, you had a full script ready. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> but it's really good. It is really good. Well, uh, I, I will say if he had not have been as good at the voice, because I <clears throat> excuse me, I wrote that hearing him say it. So kudos uh, to him. Ah, awesome sauce. Yeah, again, we'll put a link to that somewhere in the show notes. And my parting gift is going to be check out the last episode we did called Open Channel. It's also on YouTube, so it's a video episode. And it's going to be the once a month-ish episode where we kind of uh, talk about feedback and interview a host or other guest about how Trek crosses with other fandoms. Or we may go deep into Trek, who knows? But our first episode was our last episode in the feed, which we did last week. And that is all about Star Trek and Doctor Who and what are their uh, similarities? What are their differences? I have the Who story in on the episode and we cover it all. So a lot of fun. Yes, a lot of fun. But guys, that is it for tonight. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, folks, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Climb aboard the perilous journey of one man attempting to reach a distant world and the woman on Earth who battles endlessly to keep him alive. Mission Control, was that sound what I think it was? We're not sure yet, but we know it can't be good. Join the thousands of science fiction adventure fans who have discovered Relativity at RelativityPodcast.com. Relativity? Discussing at work.